Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 115 and a half, listener stories number 14. Wow, we're so excited to have you here. And if you are wondering what listener stories number 14 is, let's go ahead and tell you. Listener stories are basically where you guys send us emails to letsgethauntedpod at gmail.com and you trauma dump on us. You tell us about <laughs> your ghost encounters, your sleep paralysis episodes, the times you saw something weird flying through the sky and everyone told you you were crazy, but you knew it was a UFO. Mm-hmm. And then Alyssa and I spin that with some toxic positivity. Yeah. And- force you to see the silver lining and also perhaps give you some unsolicited advice and some therapy. Yeah, and maybe we make it worse. Maybe we make it better. Mm -hmm. Who's to say? And if you're brand new to this show and you just want to get right into the Lister stories, you can open up our show notes right now. The very first sentence in all caps will tell you exactly what time to skip to to get directly to the Lister stories. Otherwise, Allie and I are going to do our personal hauntings and talk a little bit first. And if you're still listening and you want to know what personal hauntings are, it's basically where Nat and I talk to each other about anything haunted going on in our lives. That doesn't have to mean literally haunted. If you've been around for a while. If you're a classic haunty and you've been listening all four seasons, you know that haunted means uh, pretty much anything we want it to mean. It just (laughs) means any inconvenience or something out of the ordinary that happened to us this week that maybe changed the energy or changed the timeline Mm. of what we're currently dealing with. Mm, A glitch in the matrix. Yeah, you just never know. You never know. If you're wondering about my voice right now, I do have a little bit of a sinus infection. I hope it's not too bothersome. No, it's Uh, sexy. You know what? I'm here to make you guys content. You know, Phoebe from Friends when she's got like a sinus infection and she can suddenly sing really, really well. Okay. I've never seen Friends. Wow. That's really unexpected. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. I don't. I watched one episode once at a neighbor's house and I didn't like it. (gasps) Why? I mean, I'm not obsessed with it, but I'm just really curious because I've never met somebody who like openly didn't like friends. I feel like it's either people are neutral or they like it. I feel like perhaps if I had like grown up watching it in real time, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a product of its time, right? Right. It's almost like, oh my God, what is that other show that I do like that everybody hates? The one with the guy that says Bazinga. You know what I'm talking about? The smart guy. The smart guy, Sheldon. Uh, uh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The reason why I like Big Bang Theory is because it like reminds me of when I was younger and it first came out and my dad and I would be sitting in the living room and we didn't have Hulu or Netflix so we would just be watching whatever was on cable and so it's like a fun nice comforting memory so if I see Big Bang Theory on it's one of those things where I can just shut my brain off and just feel comforted. It's nostalgia. Right and I feel like that's what Friends is for a lot of people and perhaps I'm totally wrong you guys tell me I feel like it's not a very good show it's just one of those shows where like it reminds you of like a simpler time. And that's what we really feel like this show let's get haunted does it reminds you of that simpler time before you learned a bunch of stuff telling you that everything we're saying isn't true yeah before you learned about the government concealing stuff from you and not having to give it back before you learned about the fact that mind matter interaction is a thing and like random number generators are affected by people meditating Mm -hmm. before you learned that there's a theory that ufos come from the ocean Wow. Wow. We've ruined your life. Welcome to our show. We're going to open up some fan mail. Woo, 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 woo. Go, Nat. Go. Okay. So I am opening up some fan mail right now. Ooh, big package. 
And if you want to send us fan mail, you can open up the show notes and our P.O. box is there. Go ahead and send us some fan mail. Okay, it looks like a book. Oh, it says Weird NJ, your travel guide to New Jersey's local legends oh, and best kept yeah. secrets. Oh, and she bookmarked and it. And there's a bunch of bookmarks and stuff. Okay, there's a there's a note here. Hold on. April of 2022. Wow, that's recent. Yeah. Hello, my fave spooky gals. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and recommend it to all of my friends. I don't have many spooky stories to share, but I've been wanting to send you guys a little something for ages now. I'm from New Jersey, which is truly its own brand of weird, which is why we have our own magazine about all things weird. Weird NJ comes out twice a year and it's a super local publication. One of the co-creators, Mark, actually, still delivers the new issues to the bookstore I work at himself. They also came out with a book several years back that I was absolutely obsessed with as a kid. Weird for life. I'm 25 now. Dot, dot, dot. I remember bookmarking pages, writing notes, and everything. Anyway, I listened to you guys at work before we open a lot. One day, I walked past our copies of Weird NJ while listening to an episode, and it finally dawned on me. I knew what to send. I hope you guys enjoy your own personal LGH copy of Weird NJ. I think you could use it for future LGH episode inspo, even if you just did an episode on a bunch of the smaller stories in one. I went ahead and bookmarked a few of my favorite stories like my town's own spooky site, The Jersey Devil, and my favorite shore town. On each, I included a small personal story too. I guess you consider this a housewarming gift for the new office. I hope to send you both more fun stuff in the future. Read it in good health and enjoy. Love you both and thanks for the spooky stories. Michelle, at Sad Girl Shell on all the socials. Happy face. P.S. Keep up the stories of your personal hauntings. They make me feel like I'm chatting with old friends. Heart. Thank you, Michelle. Michelle. First of all, thank you so much for giving us this book. It looks incredible. I do remember citing this in one episode. Not this book in particular, but the Weird New Jersey newsletter. I think it was cited for Mothman, which was your episode. And I think it was also cited in a different one that I did. But I love that she bookmarked everything. It makes it so much easier. There's another note inside the book on the Ashbury Park section and it says back in 2020 my friend Aria and I did that ghost photo shoot TikTok trend in Ashbury <laughs> Park. Is this Asbury or Ashbury? I don't know. How is it spelled? A-S-B-U-R-Y. Asbury? Asbury? <laughs> I don't know. Asbury. You know what? It's an Asbury. I thought some of the photos would be fun to show y'all what the casino and carousel look like in more recent years. Wow, this is super fucking haunted. There's photos of here of two people standing in front of like dilapidated old buildings wearing sheets with like little holes for eyes like ghosts. I remember this TikTok trend. That's incredible. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing this with us. This is sick. It's basically like Michelle, you've done half the work, right? Because most of our like time is spent trying to find new episodes to cover. Well, Michelle's already bookmarked all the good shit. I know. I love this. I'm so excited to have like the local, the real deal. Like the, the lowdown. fact that she even knew the name of the dude who delivers the books. It's like pretty sick. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Next package is a letter. Hey, Allie and Nat. I have been listening since day one and I just wanted to say how much I love you guys. I love the episodes on hidden treasures and UFOs. I just figured I'd send an announcement to you guys so you can see that even in the middle of nowhere, you still have listeners. 
Love you guys. Sincerely, Cadence. Is that a postcard? Yeah, she sent us a little postcard. It says North Fremont High School, June 2nd, 2022, 7 p.m. Graduate. What? Cadence X. Wait, where is that? Cadence, thank you so much. College of Eastern Idaho. Congratulations on graduating college. What the fuck? That's such a big deal. Wait, has this already happened? 6-2-22. Oh, yeah, it just happened. Darn it, we missed it. Sorry, Cadence. Thank you so much for this. This is... Okay, First of all, I'm going to fucking cry because what I'm looking at right now, I believe, is senior photos. Yes. Yes. So there is a young woman who is kneeling in front of a frozen river. It's very picturesque. Literally looks like this person was dropped into a snow globe. I'm extremely jealous because it's fucking hot as fuck in our office right now. I'm sweating so badly. And I want to put this on our fucking fan mail board. You know what? Here's a request that I'm definitely going to regret later. Will you guys send Alyssa and I like really cheesy? like wearing a turtleneck like <laughs> like senior photo type things so we can pretend you guys are all of our children and like put you on our fake oh that's amazing wall. yeah I would love that and just... then people come into our office and they're like oh who's this and we're like ah oh, yes these are our children you these know are when... our haunted children <laughs> you know when you go to like the orthodontist office or something and they just have pictures of like all of their patients smiling yeah on the wall? or like the gynecologist and it's all <laughs> the pictures of the new babies that have been yes born. yes I want that but I want our haunties so it doesn't matter if you guys are young if you guys are old if you guys are successful if you're struggling cross your arms stand in front of a tree and we're gonna put that shit on our wall perfect love that thank you so much cadence and congratulations on your graduation that's a big fucking deal whether it was i can't tell if this is graduating from it is high school so she's going to college of eastern idaho so that's a oh huge fucking deal yeah. is that the haunted oh no that's ohio that's Ohio. But I'm sure it's haunted there too. Look, so let us know. Everywhere's haunted. Next letter. Oh, this is this is a long one, guys. Buckle up. Oh, wow. It's stapled and typed. Love that for us. Wait a minute. Okay. All right, guys. This is from Sarah H. Oh my God. She wrote this. What? She wrote and it looks like an article or maybe a paper for a class. I'm not sure yet. I, I'm reading this live I'm going to rip guys. this out of your arms. You read that right now. The title is Aliens and the Earth's Environment is Urban Spring detrimental to humanity's relationship with aliens by this is Sarah a essay? Sarah E H. I don't want to dox you, Sarah, so I'm not going to say your last both name. Both of my hands are on my head. If you're about to read me a fucking five paragraph essay about that thesis you just said, that's incredible. Let's see how much of this we could get through. This is this is a legit essay for like a class you want to you want me to read it or you want to do popcorn or read it fast ufo delving into definition the modern ufo movement commenced 24 june 1947 as kenneth arnold a civilian pilot from idaho while flying over western washington reported seeing nine shiny objects in a chain-like formation and as stated they flew like a saucer would if you skipped it across the water the first peak of ufo sightings took place and reached its maximum peak in mid-july of 1946 and was followed by a truly worldwide trend in 1952, with many World War II pilots reporting strange lights under apparently intelligent control. Okay, I just want to say this: some of this information is from our episodes. I'm recognizing it, and I'm very, very pumped. What the fuck? On 20 May 1967, Stephen Michalik, a part-time prospector, was collecting samples in a relatively remote area at Falcon Lake. Michalik reported seeing two UFOs at close proximity. His self-authored tell-all was initially published by Osnova publishing WPG. Thoroughly researched, the authenticated physical effects of the incident are sufficiently convincing and leave little doubt that a serious encounter with UFOs did occur. Furthermore, it is clear that Michalik was collecting samples in a relatively remote area when the incident happened. 
The fundamentals are that he reported seeing two UFOs in close proximity. Complications, consequences, and clarification. Undoubtedly, wild and natural spaces in Manitoba have been reduced due to the pressures of urban sprawl, as most of the traditional alien landing locations have been dramatically altered due to such pressures. It is presumptuous, however, to assume alien motivation as perhaps aliens have found an alternative, non-landing method of acquiring or accomplishing their mission or missions. Alien cultural exchange interactions. Okay. A fucking hell yeah. Alien cultural exchange interactions. This is beautiful. This is like the father of modern. This person who wrote this is did something here. Alien cultural exchange interactions have remained statistically unchanged, which points to alternative forms of alien mission accomplishment that do not require natural Earth landing locations in the same way that was historically relevant. Alien technology may have advanced beyond requiring a natural Earth landing location as many years have passed since most of the original Manitoba interactions. Additionally, urban sprawl may indicate shared technological understanding between our culture and alien culture culture, making direct future communications easier, also reducing the requirement for natural earth landing locations. Historically, aliens have favored natural landing pads, but ideal sites have been reduced in recent years due to the semi-permanent nature of urban sprawl. The obvious recommendation to ensure alien cultural exchange continues is to reduce urban sprawl, replace the natural environments of past landing locations, and create a welcoming natural landing environment for aliens. However, the environmental and financial policies governing such decisions are often out of reach of local governments. If aliens cannot easily locate a safe and comfortable landing location, they may simply be choosing not to land on Earth. Urban sprawl is therefore detrimental to humanity's relationship with aliens. And then they have the references that are included, and I, and I believe perhaps we're a reference on there? I don't know. Is there a note that goes with this? No. They just sent us their essay? Yes. I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah. We might edit that to make it a little bit shorter and leave out some of the examples, but we'll definitely put in the conclusion because that was incredible. I love the idea that we need to save the environment, not for ourselves, but for our relationship with the aliens. We need to make our environment more alien friendly so that we have more opportunities to see them, chill with them, interact with them, right. and perhaps they can give us some tips. Can you imagine, like, how would, like, the people who chain themselves to the trees... The Green Party? Yes. How would they react if we were also the Green Party, but it was about aliens, and we, like, joined them at their shit, and we're like, yeah, we're chaining ourselves to this tree because we need to protect the alien cultural exchange. And they're looking at us, and they're like, oh... This is not what we want <laughs> representing our movement. Beautiful. First of all, Sarah, thank you so much thank for you. sending that. I love that you wrote that I'm assuming for school and then sent it to us if you guys write any essays that regards things that we've talked about before definitely send them in that reminds me of just like a shit post essay like I wrote so many of those where I like quoted like fucking just everything I also love that she quoted a user on reddit I really feel like as we enter like the modern world more and more people are going to start recognizing the value of reddit the value of 4chan right the value of sources from like the agora Right. Like the the marketplace or the plaza of online communication. Right. Or you could just like fucking say you got it from an oracle. 
like over in a mountain, you know? Yes. Love that. And that was our last listener mail. Thank you guys so much for sending in fan mail. If you'd like to send us something, you can go ahead and send a package or letter to P.O. Box 1658, Camarillo, California 93011 and address it to Let's Get Haunted. But now I would love to shout out our donors for this episode. Elena B., British Cyborg, Haley A., Nicole S., and Pedrito el Maldito. Pedrito, why are you so maldito? Why are you so cursed? Thank you so much, guys, for donating to our show. And I would love to thank Jetta S., Lachlan F., Isa B., Gentry B., Mason H., Alex S., and Amy X., who had a very generous donation. Thank you very much to all of you. We appreciate everything that you guys send us, whether your donations are large or small. They all add up, and they help us to create more content for you guys. Yeah, that's right. And without further ado, Natalia, would you like to read the first listener story? From Katie H. Hello. I am convinced one of the libraries at ASU's Tempe campus is haunted by a young woman. What? So I work in the art type library on campus, and because of COVID-19, we haven't been getting major traffic in there like usual. So we have been using that free time to shift books on all the shelves. Basically, we started from the very back and moved to the front to make the books look more evenly spaced. About two weeks ago, I was back there alone. There was no one else in the library except our supervisor, who was on a Zoom meeting in her office, and my other co-worker manning the front desk. So, I listen to music softly on my phone when no one is back there, so it's not so quiet. But if someone comes in or walks by, I'll turn it off so that I don't disturb the patrons. Anyway, cut to me in the stacks, standing on a stool to reach the top shelves. I'm facing the right side of the row and picking up books from lower shelves. I then heard someone's jeans swishing back and forth quickly, like they're briskly walking and looking for a seat or a certain shelf for a book. So I'm thinking, oh, someone is here. Let me turn my music off. So I reach down to the opposite facing shelf to pause it. Now I'm fully facing the right side of the shelf with one hand keeping balance and the other reaching for my phone. I still hear the person walking briskly, but my back is now turned away from where they would be walking in the aisle. So, as I'm turning this way, I hear a young woman's voice, like clear as day. No. It sounded just like another college student saying, Oh, um, excuse me? (gasps) So I whipped around while simultaneously stepping off the stool, and no one is there. I'm like standing there confused for a second, wondering if maybe she was on the phone and just kept walking, and maybe I heard her on the call as she passed by. So I walk down the end of the shelf and look down the aisle where she would have been walking and look both ways and look everywhere, but she's not there. No one is. What? So I walk down a couple rows each way to see if she went down one of those rows. Nothing. So I finally check the little enclosed desk area and cutting tables toward the way back of the library. Then at this point, I knew there was someone, but I must have just missed them. I go up to the front and ask my coworker if a girl walked back towards where I was, and my coworker is like, Uh, no, I don't think so. And keep in mind, the desk is right by the front, the only entrance into the library, and we were getting very little traffic, so we would know who was going in and out at all times. So right then I knew it had to be a ghost, and now I'm convinced a young woman's ghost haunts the art library at Arizona State University. Or, okay, this is the only time I'll ever go with a skeptic theory, 
Or have you seen that movie where Tom Hanks is like living in the airport for a year or something? Yes, Terminal. Yeah. What if it's that? <laughs> what if, what if it's pl- Terminal and it was Tom Hanks walking by her? <laughs> and he's like, hey, sorry, I'm just uh, stranded in this library right. for political purposes. Right. What if it was a college student? They were trying to get home, but they didn't like have it set up yet. And they're not a student anymore. So they're just living at the library. OK, that's almost scarier than a ghost. <laughs> because now you're telling me some random student was walking through the library was like oh excuse me and then was like oh shit they're gonna know i'm here and hid somewhere and is just like watching her as she's restacking the shelves or maybe they had another plan they were gonna be like oh excuse me can you like give me five dollars or something but then they realized it was someone who worked there and was like oh fuck and just sprinted yeah. the other way <laughs> who's yeah. to say who's all to i know say? is that's fucking creepy that is so creepy ghosts while i'm at work should not be a thing it's weird though because i always felt like the library the weird part like the old part is always haunted because there's no one ever in there like in modern times people usually don't even go to the library we right. just look online for the books so it does feel haunted and it's like really quiet and you're around like a bunch of old like moldy weird smelling books totally books are haunted is books, my takeaway books are haunted and librarians are haunted and <laughs> librarians are also super smart which is haunted right this one comes to us from melissa hello my name is melissa and i love lgh i listen all the time and i recommend you guys to everyone i have a story of a time i stayed in a haunted house with my cousins. I'll set up the scenario because it's a little confusing. My cousin Jenna was going out of state for a week, so she asked me and another cousin, Anne, to watch her house and dogs. Anne and I were 18 or 19 years old at the time. Jenna usually watched our other cousin, Rick's three-year-old daughter, Liz, at night while he worked. So Anne and I were taking over and watching Liz at night during this week as well. Also, Jenna's house is in the middle of the desert. She has a few neighbors, but they're not close by. The first night Anne and I were there was fine, but we definitely felt something off and both of us felt like we were being watched even though the blinds were all closed and all of the doors were shut and locked. We checked all of the locks multiple times before going to sleep, but we still slept with the lights on because everything felt so weird. The next morning at breakfast, Liz was eating oatmeal when suddenly she got up and started running around the table screaming that a ghost was chasing her. Anne and I tried to calm her down and asked if she was playing a game, but she just kept saying that a ghost was chasing her. We left the kitchen and all stayed in the living room watching cartoons until Rick came to pick her up. When Rick got there, we told him what happened and we all just laughed it off. After he left, Anne and I confirmed with each other that we both felt the house was haunted. During the rest of the week, the following things happened. And here's a bunch of bullet points. The dogs would growl at one specific corner of the living room whenever we entered it. If they were alone in the room, they would not growl at the corner. The TV turned on by itself twice and would randomly change the channel by itself as well. The cabinet door would be closed, we would leave the room, and when we would re-enter, it would be open. One evening when we weren't watching Liz, Anne and I were talking about sneaking some of Jenna's alcohol to make drinks. Right then, the blender turned on by itself. While playing hide-and-seek one night, Anne was counting and Liz, why the fuck would you play hide-and-seek in a haunted house? I would never. (sighs) I might, look, I might do it, to be honest with you. Are you serious? But I would be crying the whole time. (laughs) Like, it wouldn't be fun. It would just be to say that I did it. While playing hide-and-seek one night, Anne was counting and Liz and I were hiding. I brought Liz into the master bedroom and we got onto the bed to hide under the covers. As soon as I pulled the blanket over us, the bedroom door slammed shut so hard that I felt it shake the wall. I pushed the blanket off and walked over to the door because I thought Anne had slammed it on us. 
I walked out and went down the hallway and Anne was still on the couch covered in a blanket, her phone charger, and a bowl of chips, just like I had last seen her. I asked her if she had heard the sound and she said yes, but we didn't bring it back up again. When Jenna returned, we told her about everything that happened to us, but she said that it was just all in our heads and that she never experienced anything spooky while living at the house. However, one week later, she messaged us asking what we did to her house. We didn't know what she meant, but she told us that the lights kept turning on and off by themselves. After discussing the situation with many other family members, we have a theory as to what may have happened. Jenna and Rick's dad, or Liz's grandfather, passed away many years ago, and his ashes are located in Jenna's living room. Oh. Anne's father, his brother, had passed away just a few months before we were watching the house, and Anne wore a necklace that contained some of his ashes. We feel that it might be possible that the brother were finally reunited in that house, and it caused all of the weird things to happen. It also might be in our heads, but it did did all feel very supernatural. Thanks again for reading my story. I really do love the podcast so much, and I think you both are awesome. All of those things are fucking terrifying to me. You know, I this brings up a good point. I've never like known anyone who had ashes in their house before, but if you do have someone's ashes in your house, does that increase the probability that your house is haunted? I would assume so, right? Because like that's why a cemetery is haunted. Yeah. Because there's like remains of people. Well, I thought it was like hauntings happen when someone's confused. They weren't like ready to die. They're like in purgatory or perhaps you, they you like disrespected their death wishes or something like that, according to theories. However... Perhaps the like it was scary to the girls, but these weren't supposed to be scary haunting things. Like perhaps they were like, oh, let's do this thing. And the ghost is trying to communicate with them like, yeah, I love you guys. I miss you. And so they turn the blender on or it's like they're hiding. So they like slam the door shut to be like, yeah, I'm hiding in here too. Right. You know? Yeah. Like I want to play hide and seek with you. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they don't like realize that they're scaring. That oh, poor ghosts. I ghosts know. really go through so much. Like they can't even rest in death. I know. All right, next email, Sam K. Hi, Allie and Nat. My name's Sam, and I think I had a ghost slash spirit experience while I was listening to your podcast. Two nights ago, I went out for some food latish at night. When I got back, I sat down in my living room with my food. Where I was sitting had a clear line of sight to my front door. At this point, it was shortly after 11 p.m. I then decided to turn on LGH episode 48 because I was excited. <laughs> I ate my food and listened to you guys catch up with Kib and Sammy Joe in the intro. Shortly after Kib and Sammy Joe took the ghost test and after I finished my food, maybe 10 minutes after I got home, I heard the front doorknob jiggle. I know that seems funny, but it was the sound it makes when someone grasps the knob to enter the house. What? The doorknob was a little loose, so when you grab it, it will sort of shift or settle in a new spot. I know this sound incredibly well because as I am a dumb, depressed college student, I stay up <sighs> until 3 a.m. regularly and my brother and sister will often go out and come back at night and I always listen for the door so I can comfort the family dog before he gets spooked and starts barking. I'm currently at my family home and off campus this year thanks to COVID. Anyway, I looked over to the door after hearing this sound and saw a face in the window next to the door. What? Which quickly jumped behind the door itself. I called my sister and asked if she was outside. At this point, I was too terrified to move. She said that she wasn't outside. She then told me that she has the app for our doorbell and that she could look to see if the camera caught anything. She then informed me that there was something that her and her boyfriend, who she was with, could not describe. 
Naturally, I was closer to shitting my pants than ever before, (laughs) and I made her come over to the house and inspect the front porch since she was only a couple of minutes away. She then showed me the first picture of the night, which the app claims was taken due to motion. Pick one below. (gasps) The picture was taken just a minute before I called my sister at about 11.20 p.m. So they laughed at me and left. My sister came back for the night, and I said nothing more had happened, but we checked the camera feed anyway. Shortly after 1 a.m., but not quite two hours later, another picture had been taken with the same light figure in a different shape and position, this time at the edge of the camera frame, see bottom of the pillar. That was the actual event I experienced. However, my sister texted my dad the next morning to catch him up, and he said that in the basement in his room, his lights were flickering on and off between 11 and 11.30 p.m. What? This lines up with the first picture. My sister also texted a friend who is into paranormal stuff big time, and she said that she doesn't believe our house is attached to any spirits because one, she has been here and felt the energy or whatever, and two, we've lived here for years and never experienced anything like this. I can say using my limited paranormal knowledge that her first point is likely true because this house is a very recent build. It's not even 30 years old. The next thing my sister's friend told her was something I can't believe I hadn't considered. Maybe the spirit was attached to or following a person. If you recall, just 10 minutes before my experience, I arrived home after going out for food. In reflecting for a couple of days, the parts of the story that stood out to me were that I was listening to LGH. (gasps) However, you guys hadn't gotten into the week's spooky talk yet. Next, it feels important that the face I saw quickly ducked undercover. Maybe the spirit ghost was shy or something? That lines up with what most people have told me when they've heard my story, which is that they think the spirit isn't harmful. Before all of this, I'd say I had an interest in the paranormal, obviously, since I love LGH, but I never had my own experience and was very skeptical. Now, I'm a lot more sure about the existence of something else. I'm still really spooked and I need to find some time during daylight to finish episode 48. Hopefully I'll get comfortable in my own house again soon, LMAO. Love the pod though, and you two are amazing. Everyone shits on the long intro, but I love it. If you didn't have a long intro, I would have had this experience while listening to scary shit. So keep up the great work. Okay, my takeaway from this is that that episode that he's talking about is the one about that crazy dude who digs up the children and then like tries to perhaps like do weird things with them and like stuffs their body and makes them look like dolls. I'm wondering if he's listening to LGH, that particular episode, is this one of the spirits that is from one of those one of those children? So it somehow like transcended through Russia and across the oceans and went to his house? I mean, because he was saying like this wouldn't be attached to a place, this would be attached to a person. And I'm saying go one further. This is attached to To the episode? Like the ring, like that fucking girl's attached to like you have to make a videotape of her or something and she can go anywhere as long as you've seen it oh that's true so like so this we is like the same thing yeah we're like opening up a portal through episode 48 right through mind matter interaction honestly i believe that <laughs> i believe that i want to see these pictures okay so i'm going to show you these two ring camera photos if you guys want to see them you can look at the photo dump for this episode at let's get haunted on instagram so here is the first one and that's the little light thing and then here is the second one what dude what okay hold on i'm sorry what that's weird that's really weird i really don't know how else to describe that besides it looks like what i would believe is a ghost it's like a okay so imagine someone took like a glow stick and like moved it really really fast in front of like a slow slow shutter camera or something it looks like like just a bunch of 
You know, okay, remember that episode we did about the fucking place where the guy was digging the holes in the yard or something? Yes, alien holes. Yes. Right, and the mirror black was... Forest. Yes, Black Forest. And we saw all those pictures and there yes. was like weird white like things. Like light patterns. Light yeah. patterns. It looks like one of those. It really it? does. Yeah, it does. For a second there, if it looked like I my eyes glazed over, it's because I just got an alert on my computer that someone's actively trying to hack my iCloud. What? Very haunted. Why? How, what do we do? I mean, I guess nothing. I got an alert saying, did you request a reset to your iCloud? cloud and i said no use this iphone to reset your apple id password for don't allow for for lgh or for you specifically for me specifically <sighs> why can't people ever just fucking leave us alone because we did an episode on QAnon. yeah yeah um oh, this man. one comes to us from alicia c hello ladies my name is alicia c i recently started listening to your podcast and i love it you guys are awesome and absolutely hilarious I recently listened to your listener stories and your episode on Stoll, Kansas. I was raised in Olathe, Kansas, or Olathe, I don't know. I was raised in this town in Kansas, which is in Johnson County, Kansas, which is about 20 to 30 minutes outside of Lawrence, Kansas. I currently live, okay, I don't want to dox this person. They live in Kansas, guys. When I was younger in high school, I used to run with a group of friends that loved to go to haunted places. By now, I'm sure you've already guessed it. Yes, I have been to Stoll. There are cops that come by the area every now and so often because it got so much attention, and they actually come and sit outside of it on Halloween. Now, we didn't go on Halloween, just a normal day, and I cannot remember if it was a summer night or a fall night, but we parked across the street at the new church and walked up. Unfortunately, we were not able to find the steps at all. However, my best friend and I were standing in the middle of the cemetery looking out at that tree that I believe gets so much attention. Near the tree is where the cemetery ends, and there's a barbed wire fence just outside the tree. I'm saying maybe 20 to 30 feet from us was the fence, and then 20 to 30 feet outside the fence, we saw two children apparitions coming up to the fence. The apparitions started out walking up slowly, and as I turned to ask my friend if she was seeing what I was seeing, she could only nod and point. As I turned to look back at the fence, the children were right up against the fence looking at us and pointing. At the same time I'm turning to my friend again, we saw what is legend around there. The witch hanging herself from the tree. Oh shit. The rest of the gang was in the middle of the cemetery and we took off running. We were the only ones that saw anything that night. However, we were the most interested in the paranormal. I have a few other stories I may send in from other outings with the same group. Kansas is haunted as fuck. Lol. You guys should look into Topeka, Kansas Cemetery. It was featured on Unsolved Mysteries long ago. I've made quite a few trips there. Also, look into Atchison, Kansas. Atchison, Kansas is the most haunted town in Kansas, and it's like the third most haunted in the USA. I visited the Saley House. If you haven't already done an episode on the Saley House, you might want to, or just Atchison in general. Atchison is also where Amelia Earhart was born and raised. Oh, shit. Thanks for listening to my story. I'll send some more in when I get a chance. I don't want to spam you to death, lol. Love you guys. Stay spooky. Alicia. Um, what the fuck? How, like, how are you okay right now? So, so she saw an apparition of a witch hanging herself from that tree. Three. She saw two children ghosts coming up to the barbed wired fence and looking at her and her friend pointing at them. So her and her friend were like, oh, look at those ghosts. And the ghosts were like pointing at them like, oh, there's people. And then like they also in the corner of their eye, I guess, like at the tree saw the witch hanging herself. (sighs) That is fucking psycho. I don't know. That's just so crazy. That's so scary. I know. I'm so glad someone else saw it because that to me is 
is like, you know, this is unrelated, but I'll just tell you. I was thinking today that how amazing is it that we do this podcast as a duo? It makes things so much easier because like you're always here to share the burden of like yeah. fear and like stress. Yeah. You know? I feel like having someone with you is important. Here's here's my takeaway from the story. You always need to have like a, a buddy with you if you're yes. going to go somewhere haunted. Buddy system is essential if you're going into uh, any haunted location, even any location that could potentially be haunted. Right. Are you just walking down a dark alley late at night? Don't do that unless you have a friend there. <laughs> you never know. A ghost could pop out or a guy with a sword could pop out. We just <laughs> don't know. Okay, this next email comes from Ruby V. Hi, Ali and Nat. First of all, I'm sending this email as a backup because I wrote you guys a letter and sent it to the P.O. box, but I'm not sure if I addressed it correctly. This will probably be better anyway because that letter I wrote was a train wreck. So this is my <laughs> redemption. I want to share with you guys the story about the time I stayed at the Pierpont Inn in Ventura, California. I had just celebrated my 23rd birthday when the Thomas fire broke out. About a week later, the fire had crept its way onto the mountains behind my town. There's a few nurseries and a high school between my neighborhood and the mountain, but the authorities asked us to evacuate just in case it came down the mountain. My dad asked me to look for a hotel to accommodate my family and our two chihuahuas. I don't remember how I came to it, but I booked us a room at the Pierpont Inn. When we arrived later that day, it was dark and rainy. It made it hard to see how massive this property actually was. They gave us a corner room with the two queen beds overlooking the highway. My brother and my dad left the room to go to the store and left my mom and I behind at the hotel. After a while, my mom and I were startled by a loud, desperate knock on the door. My brother has the annoying tendency to knock on doors like that just to be a bitch, so I just assumed that they had returned and were locked out. I swung the door open and found nothing. No one was out the door. It was dark out, but I stuck my head to check around in case my brother was playing a joke, but there was no one around. I went back in, trying not to think too much of it. My brother and my dad returned a while after that. That same night, we were all fast asleep. It was the middle of the night when we were awakened by dogs who had suddenly started barking. Literally a second later, the room phone rang. I was worried it was someone complaining about the barking. When my dad answered the phone, Bueno, hello. He hung up and turned to go back to sleep. My mom asked who it was. He said no one was there. The next night, again in the middle of the night, the phone rings. My dad's grumpy, but he answers, Bueno, bueno. He hangs up and goes back to sleep. I'm suspicious. The next morning, we got the okay to return home. As my family finishes packing, I take a look at the information binder that hotels usually leave in the room. I flip through the TV instructions, the restaurant recommendations, and then I get to a bio, and it says the hotel is known for paranormal occurrences. <gasps> the previous night suddenly made sense. My suspicions were confirmed. I looked up the Pierpont Inn for information online and found that local paranormal investigators are fond of the place. Since then, I've been obsessed with the idea of returning for a stay, but something always seems to get in the way. I'm determined to return and stay in the Vickers Estate Suites, which investigators say is where the activity is centered. The room we stayed at is adjacent to the suites, coincidentally, if I place the area correctly, but I may be wrong because I haven't been back. I apologize for the long email, but I love you guys. I think you guys are hilarious. Maybe one day we can have a spooky sleepover at the Pierpont. I have a few more stories to tell. Hauntingly yours, Ruby. At Regular Sized Ruby on Instagram. At Regular Sized Ruby on Twitter. What? Okay, wait. So there was a ghost on the phone? So, um, okay. 
I am also from Ventura County and I know exactly what Ruby's talking about. So the Pierpont Inn is super fucking haunted. It's like one of the most haunted hotels. I don't know if in California it's one of the most haunted, but it's definitely the most haunted in Ventura. Like we have ghost walks. Like there's this guy, Richard Sennett, who is kind of like a local famous guy in our town because he just does like haunted paranormal tours of the city. And one of the main locations is Pierpont Inn. People commit suicide there all the time. Um, the balconies don't have like anything protecting you if you were to jump off. So people will will book rooms at the top of the Pierpont, go out onto their balcony and jump off of the balcony onto the boardwalk below. Why don't they close the, the balcony? I don't know if they've made changes recently, but it's an old hotel. So I think it just doesn't have a lot of the like safety procedures in place that new builds have to have. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like right on the beach. So you can see like you can see the water. So I think they probably want balconies. I think that's probably a selling point for the hotel. Like you can stay here and feel the cool sea breeze across your skin and then also watch a ghost jump to its death. Like and the boardwalk (laughs) itself is also really haunted. A guy was killed. Um, I want to say it was like 2020 or 2021. A guy was murdered on the boardwalk broad daylight because a dude just walked up and stabbed him with a <gasps> knife in the throat as he was eating food. What? With his infant daughter on his lap. And and didn't kill the daughter, just the guy? Just stabbed the guy. Just stabbed and killed him. Right? Th- and it, they didn't know each other. It was just a totally random. Um, Ventura has a huge problem with like a transient population. And of course... There are definitely people who are just like down on their luck and like need help. Um, But it sucks from my perspective, like as someone who has lived there and works there, like in the county, because most of the time, as we've discussed in past episodes, the police will not do anything. If you call the cops on like a dude that's walking around with a weapon, they really don't do anything. Um, They have to like actively threaten you. I don't remember if I said this on the pod or not. I think I did in 2020 where I was chased through a parking lot with uh, by a guy with a knife. And I called the cops and they were like, well, did he say he was going to kill you? And I was like, no. They're like, oh, well, then we can't do anything. He has to actively threaten you and he has to like be found. If when we come, he needs to have that weapon on his person. So somebody had called the cops on this guy walking around the boardwalk around Pierpont Inn with um, a knife. But the cops had shown up and talked to him and they were like, oh, he's just crazy. Like he's just he's not a threat. He's just like, you know, delusional or not all there. And then lo and behold, like an hour after that encounter, he just goes and murders some guy that's sitting with his infant daughter um, on the boardwalk. So my point is that whole area is really fucking haunted. Could have been uh, possession. Could have been like, you know, uh, an unhoused person that is not all there that was like knocking on the door and ran away. Or it could have been a ghost because that hotel is super haunted. And are like people drawn to that area to act out it's because negative yeah it's i mean who knows i don't know that's like so scary to me that just anybody could walk up to me with like my baby and stab me yes it was horrifying and i don't even think i don't even know if that guy ended up going to jail because i think they may have determined that he like didn't know where he was and like couldn't be responsible well 
what the fuck? That's what I'm saying is like in LA, I understand it's like a very polarizing issue. However, to me, it's really not polarizing. I don't think it's okay for people to be like wandering the street, not knowing who they are. We need to have services for people. You know what? To me, when you go up to someone and fucking stab them in the throat while their infant child is sitting on their lap, you are no longer a person. You are a demon and I am going to kill you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I feel like at that point, it doesn't really matter why you did it. You still did it. That's like if a mass shooter goes into a school and shoots everyone and says, oh, well, he's depressed. The the dog told me, you know, a dog told me to do it. Or uh, Jesus himself came down through 4chan and told me to do it. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. You still did it. Yeah. You don't just get like a free pass. Right. I agree. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that shouldn't be controversial, but I'm sure someone will comment and tell me why it's controversial. And then that person also is going to lose their rights in my eyes, too. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that story, Ruby. I agree. Pierpont and super haunted. What the fuck, dude? I'm uh, I'm worked up now. This one comes to us from Kit. Howdy, I'm Kit, and here's my story about San Diego and the gazebo behind the Whaley House. Ooh! When I was in my early 20s, I used to host cosplay gatherings at Old Town, and one year, I want to say like 2009 to 2010, we had just finished up with a Halloween party with a bunch of local nerds, and it was just me and another host. Legendary, by the way. I haven't been back to that area in a couple of years, but there is slash was a gazebo behind that house pick provided. It's situated between a few buildings and a lonely little corner of the property. It was nearing dusk when I noticed what looked like a shadow of a young woman in the shrubs surrounding the gazebo. Before I could say or do anything, I watched as the figure specifically covered its chest with both arms before ducking down out of sight towards the ground. I immediately went to investigate, only to find no person and barely any room behind the bushes for anyone to hide. To make it even more wild, the gazebo was settled in a corner before a big brick wall, meaning no person could have easily pranked up. What freaks me out still to this day is that I can remember seeing it looked like a young woman wearing a long sleeve dress with her hair pulled back and tucked up. I couldn't make out any details in the silhouette but I remember it so clearly that I was looking at a young woman in old-timey clothing. As someone who has grown up in San Diego, I'm no stranger to the Whaley's and their incredibly spooky house, but all of the tours I've been on in the house itself, nothing compares to seeing that shadowy figure. I have this feeling that I might have seen Violet Whaley herself, not only because how spot on the picture of her is to that shadowy figure, pic provided, but because the means of her suicide via gunshot to the heart gives that ghost every reason to cover up its chest. It's still one of the most convincing experiences I've had about ghosts. Bonus. One time our cosplay group did a cleaning of the old cemetery down the road where we swept up around the headstones and organized offerings, and my dumbass ended up swiping up a small pink stone bracelet that had been sitting near the entrance. I figured it was some lost kids, and I took it home. A couple weeks later, I felt what I can only describe as a furious presence approaching me from behind in the hallway of my parents' house, like someone was running up behind me at full force only to vanish as I turned around. I took the bracelet back as soon as I could go back to the old town. And they sent a photo here uh, where the gazebo used to be, I'm guessing, and this old-timey photo of Violet Whaley. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember this story. So Natalia told this story. I don't remember on what number episode. Like 40-something, maybe. Maybe. But yeah, super haunted house. 
um haunted fucking victorian era or no it was like gold rush era right, right like yeah. ghosts just like wandering around yeah. floating up and downstairs floating through walls wearing like i don't know those dresses creep me out uh, they're very beautiful but like if i saw someone in the dark mm-hmm. wearing like an old gold rush dress i right. would be like well it's time to die <laughs> like you're here to harvest my soul and become a human again right yeah the fact that you want to be covered up from your neck to your toes like no skin showing at all except for your hands and your face um tells me that you do not get hot in the san diego sun and yeah. therefore i know you're a ghost and i do not fuck with you it also tells me that your limbs are only being held together because of this dress and that you are a (laughs) demonic entity that died a horrible death and you're covering up all of the burn marks and hanging marks um, Mm -hmm. with this dress. Right. So can't trust, do not trust. Yeah, yeah. I don't trust like that. No. (laughs) Yeah, if you're in San Diego, you better be wearing like shorts and a tank top if you're going to be a ghost because if if you show up in gold rush clothes, it's game over. Yeah, if you're in San Diego, you have one choice and it's you're playing football on the beach like Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. If you don't look like that, then you're You're a fucking ghost. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This one comes from Stephanie D. Hello, Nat and Allie. I'm Stephanie, I'm 19 in college, and I had never really had a haunted life. But I loved listening to your podcast, and I've been listening to it since May, and it has helped me out through the quarantine. What in the world? Dude, haunted shit is happening with my computer. What is happening? Now Microsoft Excel is opening on its own. Is someone hacking? I don't know. I'm going to exit it. There's nothing interesting in there anyway. It's just our spreadsheets for LGH. Microsoft Excel is super haunted. It's already, yeah. This is, okay. I don't maybe it's a ghost maybe a ghost wearing like an old gold rush dress is pissed that I just said that they look haunted Mm. to me and so they're like trying to fuck with my computer so I can't read this email anyway back to the email I will not let the ghost get me down I was raised Catholic though I'm not anymore and I am actually a closeted witch because I live with my parents still ever since I began my witchcraft journey I have noticed I have this feeling of being watched more often when I am home alone than when I was younger In my childhood home, I was always a bit creeped out when I was alone. I always had super weird and surrealist type dreams at night, and I would always see strange shadowy figures. I remember one time when I was about five, me and my cousins were playing at my house, and I heard something fall in my room, and then I went to see what it was, and the crucifix of Jesus that was in my room had fallen over onto the ground about two feet from the wall like someone had moved it, but no one else was in that part of the house. No. My family moved out of that house for a few years, and I rarely had those weird dreams, and I never again saw the shadowy figures. But when I was about 15, we moved back to my childhood home. I started having some weird dreams again, but the weird stuff didn't start happening to me until I was 18 and started to actually research witchcraft. I started hearing my mom call for me, but when I would go and find her, she would be asleep or not even home. I would also start to see flickering lights in my room, and I would feel like someone else was there. Though I felt that they didn't want to harm me, I just asked them to please stop freaking me out, and then they stopped. I also got a new job a year later at a grocery store chain. I work in the deli and the bakery by myself. When I am in the bakery, I don't feel like I'm alone. The back part of the bakery has just kind of a sink, an oven, a table, a shelving unit, a door to get into the cooler, and a tiny whiteboard that my manager leaves notes on, so there is not a chance of someone else being there without me noticing. One day, while I was packaging up the bread I baked while listening to your podcast, episode 40 and a half, specifically about the Whaley House, what? I heard a loud bang and then something that sounded like a metal thing hitting the floor. 
I thought maybe a pan hit the floor. When I went over to pick it up off of the ground, I noticed that the whiteboard had actually fallen over. I went to go hang it back up and noticed that one of the nails was like hammered all the way into the wall, even though it hadn't been like that before. I think whatever was in the bakery followed me home that day because I was up late at night doing homework and I still felt like someone was in my room watching me. Thanks so much for reading this. Sorry if my phrasing or grammar is a little weird. I have always had trouble with my English because I was mainly raised by my mom and her family who can only speak Spanish. From Stephanie. Wait, is this the same Stephanie that started off this email being like, nothing's really haunted has ever happened to me? Yeah. Well, she's saying, I think what she's saying is nothing haunted ever happened to her. Until she listened to LGA. Until she started getting more interested in witchcraft. Because now she's saying she's a closeted witch. She was raised Catholic, has kind of found her way into the witchcraft scene, and has now started noticing haunted shit happening around her. Like a crucifix falling off or a whiteboard falling down. And then the nail that the whiteboard was hanging on is suddenly pushed all the way into the wall. Like if the whiteboard fell off, wouldn't the nail either be exactly the same or have fallen off with the whiteboard? Unless a ghost pushed it in. I feel like this is giving more credence to the theory that we came up with a few stories ago about LGH being haunted. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Fucking creepy as shit. I'm sorry that's happening to you. Also, I have no solutions for you other than maybe don't hang crucifixes as we talked about a couple episodes ago. Actually, in our last listener stories, we said maybe if you hang up a photo of a demon, the demons will leave you alone because why would a demon want to knock off a photo of one of its relatives? Yeah. Do us a favor. Hang up a photo of a demon. Tell us what happens. Tell us what happens. And uh, also try not to let your parents see it because that's going to be a hard explanation. Okay, wait. I just thought of something. What if there's an epic battle between God and the angels and Jesus and and the demons. And so if you hang up a photo of a demon, it still falls off because the angels knock it off. And then if you hang up a photo or if you hang up a crucifix, the demons knock it off. So you can never win. You just have to live in a totally blank space. (gasps) Maybe just put like paint a mural on the wall that can't be knocked off instead. Right. And that's what Taylor Swift's song Blank Space is about. Oh my God. Taylor Swift is a witch. What? That makes so much sense. Wow. Thank you, Stephanie. And she has cracked it. What? Haunted. Taylor Swift is a witch confirmed. Okay, this one comes to us from Isabella. Hey, Nat and Allie, I'm not exactly sure if this will get on the podcast as it's not that interesting in my opinion, but I love the podcast and I wanted to share my experiences. Thank you for making the podcast. It's been helping me with my current breakup. By the way, despite my email, my name is Rowan and I am trans, but I'm not out yet. Moving on. So personally, I feel I have a strong connection with spirits and possibly psychic abilities. I've had many experiences throughout my life with things related to this. I may not remember everything exactly as I don't have the best memory, but I'll try my best. One of the experiences I have had was very familiar to another one I had more recently. I had a dream one night where I went into a strange store with my grandparents that I've never seen before. It seemed to be a thrift store. This was pretty realistic as my grandma and I would go to Goodwill every time I went to see her. About a week later, my friend and I decided to go thrifting together. By that time, I slightly forgot about the dream and I don't think about it too much. My friend and I decided to go to a thrift store about 15 minutes away that neither of us had been to before. However, I had been very close before as it was near my dentist. Once we arrived, I had a slight strange feeling, but I just brushed it off as anxiety. The outside looked normal and didn't remind me of anything, but the inside was a different story. My friend and I walked in and instantly realized I had been there before, but not while I was awake. 
It was the exact place I had been to in my dreams, and things were very specific down to the objects that were sold there. One thing in particular I remember was a pink plastic rocking horse in a plastic bag on top of the shelf towards the front of the store. I'm pretty sure I had similar experiences like this before that I don't exactly remember. Another experience I had that was similar to the last one happened about a week ago. Once again, it started with me having a dream. In my dream, I was in a neighborhood I had never been to before with my partner and two of my friends. About a week later, I went to visit my friend while she was at her dad's house for the weekend in West Virginia. I live in Maryland, by the way. I don't know if that's important. I had been in that area of West Virginia before as it's a slightly big area and my aunt and I often went there, but I was never super close to the neighborhood my friend's dad lived at. We went to the pool first thing after we got to West Virginia, but once we were done, we went back to my friend's dad's house. As we were driving toward the street, I started to feel that strange feeling again. We turned onto the street and I realized it was the street in my dream. The friend I was with was one of the two from my dream and I was also having problems with my partner and she was constantly messaging me so it was as if she were there too. Everything was so specific and it was identical to the place from my dream. While I was there, my friend and I had to walk two of her dogs and it was around 9pm and pretty dark. We walked by a house on a street behind her dad's house and she pointed out that the person who lived there previously disappeared and was found dead in the nearby lake. Needless to say, I was pretty freaked out by then. I'd already had bad paranoia, so that didn't even help. She told me we could take the way to the 7-Eleven that had a little bit more light on the path as I told her I was paranoid and scared. However, we first had to walk on a dark road first. We had to cross through a small path in someone's yard, and my friend had mentioned she wasn't sure if we were allowed to go through there, which made me slightly anxious, but I figured it's going to be okay. The path we went through had some dead bushes lining it. As we walked through it, I saw someone out of the corner of my eye, as well as a slight rustle, but I tried to pass it off. Once we got to the clearing, I saw a building that looked slightly abandoned in a haunted barn. Anyways, we made it to the main street and the 7-Eleven. On the way back to my friend's house, I once again heard a rustle in the bushes, but not on the path. There was also a very creepy empty park, so it didn't help. We walked past the house of the man who disappeared again, and I felt a really weird sensation as we walked by the space between that house and another house. I felt like someone was standing there watching us walk by. The dog I was walking started to walk over there and sniff, and I very quickly pulled her back over because I was not messing with that shit. Anyway, the whole stay there was freaky and I blame Mothman, but honestly, I kind of want to be friends with Mothman. Anyway, sorry this was long, but I just wanted to share my stories, even if they aren't that interesting. Thank you for reading, even if you don't read it on the podcast. I appreciate it a lot. I love you too, and you both comfort me a lot. Stay spooky. Well, Rowan, thank you very much for yeah. writing this in. Sounds like you might be a little psychic, like if you're going to places that you remember from your dreams. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting idea and and I wonder how prevalent that is like people who <gasps> see places in their dreams and then are just walking around in their day-to-day -day life and then they're like wait a minute I recognize that from my dream I, I just had a thought what okay so what if that goodwill is haunted like what if that rocking horse they saw in their dream with the plastic bag or whatever it was what if that's like an amulet that belonged to someone and their soul is trapped in there and it calls this person to that goodwill to buy it and bring it back in their house but they like didn't intercept the message right and they're just like oh i've been here in a dream <laughs> i mean i believe that that sounds realistic to me i think that first of all thrifting is a fantastic way to it's get also haunted clothing but it's also 
a fantastic way to get haunted. Right. This makes sense because I have a lot of thrifted stuff. Is that why I'm haunted? Yes. <gasps> I'm saying it here right now. Yes. Oh, wow. It makes sense. It, it really does. Thank you, Rowan. And maybe you should go back and buy. Maybe you should just start going to different thrift stores and try to find a rocking horse with a plastic bag over it and buy it. Maybe this is your destiny. Mm. Next email comes from Damon R., who sent two emails back to back. So I'm going to read both of them. My mom claims it as a true story, and I was too young to remember. But often when I was little, my mom would hear me laughing and talking to someone in my room. Sometimes she would ask who I was playing with, and I would say I was playing with Pop even though my pop was alive and not in the room. It continues for a bit, and one night, Mum's going through the photo album with other family. Suddenly, I point at one of the photos and say, That's him. He plays with me. That's pop. My mom turned and said, Sorry, sweetie, but I don't think so. That's my pop, and he passed away before you were born. But I was adamant that that was the man who told me jokes and played with me in my room. Also, my mom was his favorite granddaughter and always spoiled her more than her brother and sister, so it's nice that he was still checking in to see us. Love the podcast. Thank you for reading. Damon. That's cute. He's playing That's with a grandfather. Cute. I love that. That's really cute. Here's the next email from Damon. Hello again. I was re-listening to the podcast where James said that he had an astral projection experience, which reminded me of my own. When I was in high school, maybe five or six years ago in year 11 or 12, I'm Australian, so final two years of school. I remember in my dream, I was in my room and opened my laptop to watch a movie. As soon as I hit play on the laptop, I woke up in my bed with my laptop closed on the other side of the room, but it was playing a movie. It was 2 or 3 a.m., so it was very loud in contrast to the late night silence. When I got up to open the laptop, it was turned off, but still playing the movie audio. Once I signed in, the video player popped up, and I closed it, and with the silence I felt panicked for a moment of a possible haunting. But I instead believed it was astral projection or dope mind control slash telekinesis. Since then, I haven't had any other experiences like this, unfortunately. But I would like to hear what you guys think about this astral projection and my friendly ghost and if they might be connected in some way. So I believe what Damon is saying is, could this experience that he had at night where he had like this weird out of body experience where he thinks he can hear his laptop still playing even though it's closed, opens up the screen, the screen is black, does some fiddling around, suddenly it gets super, super fucking quiet and somehow the quietness is more eerie than the sounds that he was hearing. Could that be connected in some way to his childhood ghost that was playing with him in that same room, his pop? And I don't know that I have the answer to that, Damon, but I will say it sounds like that room is haunted. Yeah. There's some energy in that house. Yeah. I think you need to invest in some sage, some incense, some crystals. Cleanse it. Cleanse that shit up. But also, does he want to cleanse it if his great grandpa is still there? I mean, maybe you don't want to because maybe it's like special Mm. to be able to have that connection with your great grandpa. Yeah. We can't answer those questions. We can't. But I will say I do. I think from my perspective, that it is very special that you got to meet or play with a family member that was long gone by the time you were born. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Slay. Slay. This one comes to us from Backpack Jack. Hi, Nat and Allie. I've just about caught up on y'all's podcast, and I'm a big fan of the supernatural. Me and my dad are avid ghost hunters and have investigated many places like the Sinsaba Tunnel and the Green County Gallows, and I wanted to write in a story that happened a few years ago, and it's a bit long, but I got to put those details in it. So it all started back in 2012 when me and my friends were playing with a Ouija board. Our trailer park was built on an Indian burial ground, or so we were told 
cold and we wanted to see if we could get something. Well, we played and something talked to us. It went by the name Joseph. Oh. And my dad's name is Joseph, but everyone knew him by his first name, Anthony. So until we were done playing with the Ouija board, which we also didn't say goodbye. I didn't know that until the years later. But after that, the first part of this weird stuff starts happening, like footsteps. And my dad said he would hear a baby crying in the living room. And my dad's girlfriend at the time said her daughter said she saw a little girl in my closet. I myself have heard footsteps and stuff in the house at like four in the morning. It all got really quiet and nothing happened. Time jumped two years later, we were living in our apartment in Kingsport and my aunt had passed away in 2012. This will play a part in what's gonna happen. We were in our new apartment and at first we smelled rotten meat and didn't know where it was coming from. Other than my dad was the epicenter and because he first knew there was something in the apartment, but he thought it was my aunt so he would record and take pictures of it. Which means basically whatever it was got invited in and it latched itself to my dad and he would wake up with claw marks on him and it would attack him. What the fuck? He called a sermon and they came up and used sage. I had come across a photo on my dad's computer of him with two different spirits attached to him and one was I on and the other was something malevolent. I ended up moving out of the apartment. Time jump again to 2016. I got my own place and I let my dad come live with me and he's still haunted. I would hear doors open and shut in our new apartment. My dad has been through it and has seen it and he claims he's seen angels and demons and says they live in his new place with him and that the ghosts actually come and talk to him so he's like a medium. Like that ghostly event opened up his spiritual side or Raycon. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the story and I apologize that that was long. Um, I'm going to need like a million follow-ups to that story because I have so many questions and also that's really scary. How is your dad not afraid of any of this? Okay, so as he was saying that thing about the rotting meat smell, I was like, I'm going to look up, is that like a known thing associated with demons? And according to a verified account on Twitter called at Chip Coffee, Chip says one of the most common signs of a possible demonic infestation is unexplainable foul odors, fecal smells, rotting flesh, sulfur, etc. Also significant changes in personality or health problems affecting those who inhabit the oppressed space. So rotting meat, that doesn't make me think of your aunt that passed. That doesn't make me think of like, oh, the cemetery on which your house is buried. That makes me think of like something fucking evil entering your house. And I don't know who Chip Coffee is, but he's got a little a little blue check mark next to his name on Twitter. So we're going to say that he is the ultimate authority and he is correct. Dude, I just got the chills because while you were talking about that, I freaked myself out in my mind. So let me tell you. <laughs> they were playing in that story. He was playing with the Ouija board with his friends, right? And yes. the spirit that they talked to said its name was Joseph. And his dad's name is Joseph. And then his dad got haunted. So oh. what if that spirit was in the fucking dad the whole time? Or attached itself or was trying to trick the kids into thinking it was its dad. Remember when we did that episode right. on Paranormal Games to Play in the Dark Part 2 and we talked about um, the Mexican version of the Ouija board yeah. and, and the Red Book game yeah. and how sometimes demons will try to attach themselves to you by pretending to be something familiar. <gasps> I'm terrified. We've cracked the case. Yeah. That's literally what happened. Yeah, so That's scary. fucked up. Sorry, Backpack Jack. I hope that you're less haunted now. This email comes from Melissa K. Hey, Allie and Nat, love your podcast and always looking forward to new episodes to listen to at work. My name is Melissa, and here is my story about a creepy house I used to live in when I was a child. You have my full disclosure to use it on your podcast. I moved to Wiseau, Wisconsin in 1998 into a three-bedroom home with my three older siblings and parents. I was in first grade during this time, my older sister in second, the second oldest brother in third, and the oldest brother in fourth. 
Since we were two girls and two boys, we had to share bedrooms. The house was very old, and the layout upstairs consisted of a small, narrow hallway from our staircase, which led to a large room in the middle with a smaller room to the left that faced our driveway, the girls' room, and another room straight on which faced the road. The room that faced the road was the boys' room. Growing up, I remember being terrified of sleeping in the girls' room. It was always so cold and had an uneasy feeling to the point that you felt like you were being watched. My sister and I never liked to stay in there, so we would run and grab our clothes from our dresser and sprint out to change in a different room after shutting the door. We always made sure it was shut tight. We refused to sleep there and had to beg our parents to push our beds into the middle room that was big enough to fit two twin-size beds. My brother would also mention they felt strange in their room, but my parents just thought they had read too many stories from scary stories to tell in the dark, which they did and would try to scare my sister and I with the creepy pictures. One afternoon, though, I remember my brothers running down the stairs panicking. They told my parents that they were watching a movie in their room when the plastic toys in the corner started moving on their own. No. My mom and dad didn't believe them and thought they were just trying to scare my sister and I, but I'll never forget how genuinely freaked out they were. Because our house didn't have other rooms to sleep in and they refused to sleep in the room my sister and I abandoned, they also said it gave them a bad feeling too. They continued to sleep in their bedroom and had stuffed animals propped up by their beds that they believed would keep away the monsters. They didn't mention anything else that happened in there and we moved out of the house eventually and rented it to our aunt and her teenage daughter. The daughter took the master bedroom on the first floor while my aunt took the second biggest bedroom upstairs, aka the boys' room. A few weeks had passed since she moved in when out of the blue, she called my dad to tell him there's something in the house. <gasps> she frantically told him that last night she was sleeping in her bedroom when she woke up and felt uneasy. Suddenly, she felt as if someone had sat down at the foot of her bed and touched her leg. No. She said she couldn't scream or even move. When she finally felt that there was no longer something sitting on her bed, she ran down the steps and slept in the same bed as her daughter. She was terrified of the upstairs and slept in the living room from then on until she moved out soon after. My dad mentioned to her that he wasn't home that much when we lived there. He worked long hours. And my mom didn't go upstairs that often anyways, since we always played outside or in the living room. He told her about the boys seeing the toys move in that room, but he didn't think at the time it had anything to do with ghosts and more of a children's imagination. Recently, though, he did mention that he did think something felt off living there, but he didn't want to scare us even more. Eventually, we sold the house to another family, and I haven't heard anything if they contacted my dad about any abnormalities that happened. It's been 21 years since we've moved, and we still have a Polaroid picture in my family's photo album that my second oldest brother took of his toys with the caption, Toys Come Alive, written on it in his scribbly child handwriting. Oh my god. My parents live an hour away from me now, but when I go back there, I'll be sure to take a pic of it to send to you guys. When I heard about the ghost test from episode 5, I tried it, and although I couldn't see anyone, I could still feel that prickly skin feeling of being back upstairs. To conclude my story, I just want to say that if there are any parents of young children listening to this, please listen to your kids if they keep bringing up that something feels wrong in their room. Also, trust your own instincts, and if you get goosebumps and the feeling of being watched when you enter a room, chances are there's something there that you can sense, but that doesn't want you to see it. I, that's too Melissa, fucking scary. That, Melissa, you just scared the shit out of me. That might be the scariest story so far in this episode. I don't like that. Don't oh, 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 can you just imagine, like, there's a Polaroid picture, your mom puts it in the photo album, and your brother, who's like, 
I don't remember how old she said, but let's say like eight or something, just writes in his scribbly child handwriting, toys come alive. No, no, I can't. I can't. Literally cannot. Also, was it the night hag sitting down on the ant's bed? I don't know, man. That's so, that's like my biggest fear because the, I, okay, so I have this anxiety blanket. It's like weighted. It's 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I put it on me because I'm like, I don't want to feel like someone's sitting down. Right. So if I just feel oh, like that all the time. That's a life hack. Yeah. You've just solved sleep paralysis, I think. Right. Like if you always have weight <laughs> on you, then you won't be able to tell when Look, there's weight on you. If you always feel like a demon is crushing you in your sleep, <laughs> then if a demon actually is crushing you, you won't know. Or you'll be prepared. That's right. Yeah. Wow. I think I think you've just hacked the matrix oh, with that wow. tip. This one comes to us from Jack. Hi, Nat and Allie. I was looking at my Spotify Discover playlist the other day, and I noticed a song by a dude called Bunny Rabbit, and I really enjoyed it. The singer has a... It's spelled like Bunny Rabbit with no vowels. The singer has a very gravelly voice, and the instrumentals sound like late 2000s bedroom pop. Naturally, I wanted to find out more about the artist, so I looked him up. Come to find out, the song I listened to was actually recorded in the 90s. The artist known as Bunny Rabbit disappeared, and the music was only discovered and uploaded to YouTube in 2018 after someone found a collection of old VCR tapes with music videos on them. At first, the videos seemed like just old music videos shot on tape that had been lost to time, but then things get a bit off. The artist appears to be a man in a rabbit costume, but he also seems quite large, at least 6'5", relative to his surroundings. That would be quite a tough person to lose track of. But upon closer inspection, he also seems to have rabbit-like features, like his nose, and seems to be non-human. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. And the music, it sounds modern, like almost it was made in the 2010s and more advanced technology than they were capable of with pop music in the 90s. Is this a ruse in which some artist wants more plays on Spotify to craft oh. by crafting a false story? There's also a dedicated group of people that seem to be doing research on to try to find this guy, but it seems like they don't get many hits. I wasn't sure if you guys did requests of what hauntings to research, but I think you might be interested in looking into this. I think the podcast could help open the floodgates and get this to more people to help in the research to find out more about this guy. I'll link one of his music videos down below that has a link to some websites in honor of his mystery, as well as to the Discord and to the Bunny Rabbit fan club that's working on finding him. Also, I love the pod. I'm a frequent haunty myself, and I've encountered ghosts on more than one occasion, and I've generally just have some bad luck with hauntings. Keep doing what you're doing. From Jack. And then there's some links. Gee, okay, that sounds like it could be its an own ARG whole episode. Too. Yeah, about an ARG. Yeah. Do you want to just play? A, did he send a link to just one video? This is one of the songs. Oh, this is definitely not from the 90s, right? I mean, the, the filmography looks too high quality to be yeah. from the 90s. I think this is an ARG. Is he speaking English? Well, this is very... The song sucks, by the way. Yeah, the song sucks, but it's very uh, creepy imagery. I do think it's an ARG. Yeah, that's way too modern looking. Nice try, Jack. We know you made this ARG. Yeah, Jack, you're you're the bunny rabbit man. Yeah, and your music sucks. That's (laughs) That's just kidding. Just kidding, Jack. Clearly, we just don't understand the genius of this artist. 
This next email comes from Emily R. Hi, y'all. This happened to me recently, and I figured I had to tell you guys because it was so creepy. So when I was growing up, from the time I was born until I was 13, I lived in a house that was, like, definitely haunted. Not super seriously or anything. It was mostly just feeling watched when I was in the basement. It was only partially finished. The water heater was visible from the stairs, and behind it was an open space, so you could see directly into our laundry room, probably the creepiest slash most bad vibe part of the house, or walking through the hallway and into the kitchen at night. Sometimes doors would creak open or close suddenly when I was home alone, with no wind or movement as explanation. That was all I remembered anyway. Recently, I had a dream that felt eerily familiar and realized I'd had similar dreams many, many times as a child. With this dream, all of those memories were sort of unlocked in my mind, and I honestly can't believe I'd forgotten them in the first place. The dream was this. I wake up in the middle of the night in my apartment, I live in Chicago now, six hours away from Cleveland where I grew up, and start walking to my kitchen trying to get to the fridge for water, but when I round the corner I see this demon standing in front of the fridge. <gasps> no. Its face is a blur now, but I think it was shaped like a man. And as it turns, I start running back toward my room, accidentally knocking a bunch of things off the counter as I go, thinking I'll be safe if I can just get back into my bed. I make it back to my bedroom, and I can feel the demon following right behind me. I jump into bed and squeeze my boyfriend's leg hard to try to wake him up, but he never wakes up. Then I always jolt awake almost immediately after this. I woke up not even touching my boyfriend in the exact same position I went to sleep in. The dream felt so real. It took me an hour or two to fully understand that it was a dream and hadn't actually happened. Thinking back on it, the kitchen I saw in the dream wasn't even the one in my apartment. It was turned the wrong way around, the same setup as the one in my old house. When I told my friend about this, his only response was, what if it just finally found you again? Ah. And that's honestly the most terrifying part about it. It has to have been at least 11 years since I've seen this demon, considering I'm 24 now and my family moved out of that house in 2009. I haven't seen it since, but the whole thing kind of freaks me out. Hopefully this was at least somewhat interesting. From Emily at BlondeRuby1 on Twitter. Emily, burn it with fire. Burn down both houses, commit arson, go to jail. That's where the demons can no longer find you. Yeah. Why is it like not letting her go to the fridge? I don't know. Do refrigerators symbolize something? Should I Google it? Like a portal? Yeah, maybe it's like a portal for the food. Because <laughs> it slows down time. Oh, that makes food not go bad as fast. Right. So it's like slowing down time. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, wait. Are refrigerators haunted? Uh, haunted. I think so. It's dark and cold in there. Wait. That's where ghosts like to be. You guys, there's a website called stevetoback.com. And in J July of 2019, he wrote an article called What to Do About a Haunted Refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Send that to the person who just wrote in. I'm going to have to do that. Wow. Maybe we have to do an entire episode on haunted refrigerators. Apparently, it's a phenomenon. Hi, my name is Skye, and I have a million haunted stories. I started listening about two months ago, and I've been binging the podcast trying to catch up. I've been wanting to write in and tell you both some of my spooky stories. I was so conflicted on which one to tell first, so I decided to start with a lighthearted one rather than the scary shit. For a little background, my family's from Spain. It's known that the women in my family have special abilities. Mine are that I can see spirits, talk to them, and I've been known to predict events before they happen. When I was in pre-K, I had an imaginary friend. She had blonde hair and looked to be around 8 or 10. We would play together and have a blast. 
I saw her up until I was in fifth grade and I didn't think much of it when I stopped seeing her. Note, over this time frame, I moved around 10 times, but she always went with. Since fifth grade, weird things would occur. I would get a feeling of not being alone, things would disappear, I'd see random shadows and orbs, things would move around in my room, and I never thought much of it because with my abilities, weird shit happens all the time around me and you just get used to it. Anyways, one day I FaceTimed a medium slash psychic because I needed some insight. During this call, she asked me, quote, who is the little girl in your life? End quote. I said, I don't have any little girls in my life. And she said, yes, you do, but she's dead and you what? know who I'm talking about. I froze for a second in shock because I've never told anyone about my imaginary friend I had as a kid. She then takes out a piece of paper and says she's going to write down where she came into my life, how she died, and how old she is. What? After she did this, she kept her hands where I could see them and asked me to answer the questions. I told her that I met her in my grandmother's house and that she died in a fire and that she's eight to 10 years old. She then shows me what she wrote down on the paper and sure enough, it's all correct. She then tells me about a car wreck I was in when I was in third grade and said I was supposed to die in the what? accident. However, the little girl saved my life. She told me the details of the car wreck that no one could have guessed. One of those details was that I was in three wrecks that same day and the third one I should have died. Instead, I suffered from internal organ damage, but I recovered fast. Oh my God. She said the girl's spirit was in my grandmother's house, but became very fond of me and loved me. Since then, she'd followed me around my entire life, watching after me and has prevented other things from happening to me other than the accident. She says that little girl likes to hide things of mine or make them move to remind me that I'm never alone. Sometimes when I stop thinking about her for long periods of time, she'll spike in activity just as to say, hey, don't forget about me, I'm still here. The last one was about a week ago. I sat something of mine down on the table in the living room upon getting home, and when I went to get it, it was gone. I knew instantly it was her. I searched and searched, but I couldn't find it. Later that day, I was sitting on the couch next to the table. I went to open my mouth to tell my boyfriend's mom about the little girl, but something stopped me before I said anything. I turned my head and sure enough, the object was sitting on the table again. I just smiled and I picked it up. Anyway, I hope you two enjoy reading this, and if you want, I can send in some spooky haunted stories. Y'all are great, and I'm thankful every day for this podcast because it's been a ray of sunshine into my life lately while I've been going through a rough time. I love you guys, and I can't wait to keep listening. Um, that is fascinating. Whoa. That's, that, I, again, this might be, now I'm like, is this the most crazy story from this episode like, yeah the fact that she had that imaginary friend her whole life and then she gets older she doesn't really see the imaginary friend that much anymore but apparently it was never an imaginary friend it was this little girl's spirit and then the fucking psychic it like writes down all of the answers to these questions on a piece of paper and then flips over the paper after she already tells her like what the answers are and it turns out that the the psychic like knew what it was going to be which to me is just like yeah this is real. Also, who was that psychic? That psychic clearly possesses like insane abilities. I feel like sometimes when you go to a psychic or a medium, they're like telling you vague shit, right? Like, oh, I can tell you had hardship in your past. Like, yeah, dude, who hasn't? You know, but the fact that this medium or psychic was able to write down literal facts that there's no way they could have known. Right. And what would the odds be that like, 
what would the odds be that the psychic would just make up like you were in a three car wrecks in the same right. day? Like you could say you were in a car wreck and maybe someone would think about it and be like, oh, yeah, I've been in a fender bender or like, oh, I backed into this lady at CVS. You know, that counts right. as a car wreck. But the psychic was like you were in three in one day. That's and like, the third should have killed you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was true. Right. She had internal organ damage for a while. It's fucking crazy. Oh, my God. Ghosts are good? Question mark? Yeah. yeah. Question mark? Ghosts sometimes help save? Question mark? Question mark? If not friend, why made a friend shape? Yeah. <laughs> if not friendly, why Casper? <laughs> this one comes to us from Matthew. Hey, sup. It's the G&G who randomly pops in and says weird stuff. So first thing I want to say is open your brains up because this is going to get wild. We're going to touch on governmental acts, not conspiracies, this is all confirmed, ancient religious ideas, and a spiritual war going back 5,000 years. Also, this is not touching the Q stuff, add current political state, TLDR at the very bottom. I'm going to start with this. Avoid the dark net slash deep web, not because of the dangerous stuff like drugs and the like, but because of the government. After Ross Ulbricht, the dread pirate Roberts of the Silk Road was captured, a lot of the nodes on the deep web became government run. Essentially, you're likely to go through a government server and be tracked by DARPA or NSA or DHS now. The deep web is nowhere near as anonymous as it used to be in the years since Ulbrichtus arrest. The government had overhauled it and shut a lot of stuff down, so be wary, my dudes. Y'all ready to get into the really weird stuff? Okay, good. You guys like owls? I like owls. They're neat. They're also the animal associated with the Moloch, the child eater, a Canaanite deity. The Canaan country was where Judea slash Israel stood before the Hebrews, or later the Jews, came in. Hebrews went in, took over, yada yada. Some Hebrews, it said, fell to worshiping Moloch, owl god, child torturer, and eater. We're going to sideline that part, but keep a pen in it. We'll get there. Okay, y'all up for ancient tribal spiritual warfare? Good. More Judaic history time. First was Abraham, who made the covenant with God. He had a son, Isaac. Isaac had two twin sons, Jacob and Esau. To say it as heretically as possible, Jake was a twink genius and Esau was a bear himbo. Esau was first born and had the birthright to lead the Hebrew people. Jake wanted it and his mom helped out. Long story short, Jacob got it and Esau was pissed. They nearly went to war with each other, but they didn't. Fast forward, Jacob's son leads the 12 tribes of Israel. Jake got a new name, Israel. So 12 tribes of Jake, aka God Wrestler. Yes, I'm serious. Esau had a son who had a son, Amalek. Amalek was full of rage and hatred. He hated the fact that he didn't have the birthright. The Amalekites, which were his family and followers, show up throughout the Bible. They attacked the Israelites, who were the people who followed Jacob and who would become Hebrews, who would become Jews, not to be confused with the Israelis, people from the country, you know what? as they left Egypt. This is this makes me think this might be anti-Semitic and maybe we should just skip it. Okay, I think this person is Jewish because they're saying God with the dash and the O because they can't write God out, but we oh. can skip it if we need to. Okay, go ahead and read it and then we can research it later. Haman, a guy who tried to genocide the Jewish people, was an Amicalite. But there were others. It's said that every generation must face a great and powerful Amalekite. The name Amalek has the same gematria number meaning. This is hard to explain, but just know in Judaism, words and their numerical value is a huge deal as word for doubt and haughty or severed eye. They are blind to God and descend from evil and hate. There are many dichotomies in Judaism, and this is one of the grandest. Jews don't really believe in the devil. Our term Satan actually means like our subconscious, but that's for another time. 
But the Amicalites are pure evil. We have in ancient times even been told to forget to forget them, where some argue means that we must always be aware or wipe them from all of history and not even know that we don't know them. So Amalek, people who cause doubt, fear, or breed hatred and evil, descended from the same bloodline as the chosen people. Now this is not good. An evil as in one side wants to give people puppies and the other side wants to light people on fire. It's closer to how the author DJ McHale describes two sides of the Hala in his series. Choice and lack of choice. When doubt and fear run rampant, people will often do what they're told so as to avoid suffering. If you don't have free knowledge, you don't actually know your free choices. Similar to what the OG Bavarian Illuminati saw as danger, the good side in this ancient battle is actually free will and free choice to be nice or bad. The Amalek side is to remove choice ruling through fear. Those who spread fear and doubt are more likely to gain power because others want to be safe. Now, remember Moloch? We pinned that earlier. Let's loop back around. There's a place called Bohemian Grove. It's a weird faux cult country club for the rich and powerful. What giant statue is there? A giant owl. Picks attached. What the fuck? Look at these pictures. So, okay, I know what Bohemian Grove is because Alex Jones of InfoWars talks about Bohemian Grove a lot. And it got in the news because Joe Rogan started talking about it. I think he's friends with Alex Jones. I don't I don't know. I don't listen to Joe Rogan, but uh, I do have some males in my life that do listen (laughs) to Joe Rogan. And I believe what Alex Jones had said, and I mean, take it with a grain of salt. It's Alex Jones is that he went to Bohemian Grove once, saw this ritual taking place, but obviously they don't use real babies anymore. Again, this is is all in quotes. I'm just repeating what somebody told me secondhand from listening to a podcast with Alex Jones. And so they use like a fake baby and like sacrifice it to this owl god. I'm going to keep reading this, but I don't understand what's going on and I don't know what's happening right now. What was the symbol of Moloch? Yep, the child eater. A violent evil god from society long gone. And yet there it is. There are many pictures and stories of various wealthy, powerful people at Bohemian Grove. Even if it's just for show, it's fairly odd. By fairly, I mean extremely. Let's tie all of this together now. Ancient tribal spiritual war between the Israelites and the Amicalites, the worship of an ancient deity that tortures and eats children, and the spreading of fear. I think a lot of people choose to see stuff in modern light because it's easier to say aliens and spying than gods and demons on a broader sphere. Many are not religious. And on this side of religion is a little more woo-woo-y, you know? But if there is this group of evil people, I don't think it's aliens trying to prevent ascension or anything like that. I think it's closer to just us losing. Two evil cults, the Amicalites and the followers of Moloch, come together. You have ruling through fear, ritualistic child torture and murder, and suppression of knowledge. TLDR, evil ancient groups are finally winning, but it's easier to say aliens and ascension than go into cryptic ancient texts, but the same stuff has been going on for 5,000 years. Anyways, I hope this spun y'all for a loop. I can send more sources if you want. I love talking about the weirder, more magic parts of my religion. Thank you so much for the amazing podcast. It makes my hectic days a lot better. Stay spooky, G&G. Well, because this person is Jewish, I'm going to assume that this isn't like anti-Semitic. But to be honest, there were a lot of like ancient words in there and I don't understand what I was reading. Yes. The only thing I understood is um that satan is your conscious which makes sense because i fucking hate to think well shit <laughs> all i know good night guy is that that was some freaky shit that, that you haunted. wrote in that was haunted as fuck well these were all really fucking haunted thank you guys so much for sharing we have reached the end of our listener stories number 14 if you guys would like to send us your 
personal hauntings, you can do so by emailing letsgethauntedpod at gmail.com. That's letsgethauntedpod at gmail.com. If you try to send it to letsgethaunted at gmail.com, I don't know who that belongs to, but it's not us. So we have not received it. And they're getting super haunted terrified yeah they're like they have no clue who we are and they just keep getting people sending them stories about times that a ghost tried to like drag them through the refrigerator well it's their fault they made their fucking email let's get haunted yeah so they have to want to get haunted exactly i'm so curious to know who that person is well natalia what was your favorite Maybe story that's the person today? trying to hack into your oh. computer oh shit the person trying to read our spreadsheet are about like how much money we lose every month wow Ooh. wow just kidding guys but natalia what was your favorite episode from this week i know your favorite story from this week i that's hard because they're all super different and super interesting that i mean the one there there's just so many the one we just read was fucking freaking me out also the one about the dad who like was named joseph and perhaps is a ghost also the one about the girl who's a witch and like uh, the there's a jesus christ like flew off her wall (laughs) and she's also hiding her witchness from her parents also, the person who goes to the Goodwill and, and like... Is, a rocking chair horse. Yeah, and is like a dream sage person or something. And then, I don't know. There's like... That's just crazy. I think my favorite is the moving toys. The mm, one oh, where the right. little kid wrote, wrote Toys Come Alive. That like throw out that family album and burn it what if the kid is the wizard and th- and that is their like they're saying toys come alive and like maybe he's toys making come the alive. toys come alive like harry potter but like Shit. different yeah oh my god <laughs> incredible natalia would you like to do our sign off yeah um brb gonna go take a polaroid picture of us and say lgh makes a lot of money yeah yeah <laughs> manifest it uh <laughs> until it comes true Bye. Bye.